Good morning. Today in our God is series, we are looking at God is jealous. We normally think of jealousy as a bad thing. Jealousy is certainly not something that springs immediately to mind when we're thinking about the attributes of God. God is jealous. It just sounds so utterly wrong, almost an offensive thing to suggest. So how can God, who is holy and perfect, ever be jealous? Well, let's start with the familiar, jealousy in people. Indeed, for men and women, jealousy can cause a great deal of harm unless it's very carefully harnessed. I, for example, experienced bullying at school, and that would have been linked to jealousy over something. And there are examples of jealousy's destructive impact all the way through the Bible. As soon as there were people and there was sin, there was jealousy. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain kills Abel out of jealousy. Cain was the firstborn. He had all the advantages that that would have given him. Yet Abel, the more marginalised one, he had something that Cain also wanted for himself. That was God's favour. And because he didn't have it, that made him angry. So out of jealousy, he killed his brother. In Genesis chapter 30, Rachel is jealous of her sister Leah, battling together for the affections of their husband, Jacob. In Genesis 37, Joseph's brothers resented their father, Jacob, having favouritism towards Joseph. So they sold Joseph and faked his death to their father. In the first book of Samuel, the jealousy of King Saul towards David dominated his life and his reign, and it drove him to try and kill David. Moving forward into the New Testament, it was jealousy that drove the Jewish authorities to hand Jesus over to Pilate with demands to crucify him. And such jealousy was often found within the early church. When Paul wrote to the young churches like those in Rome and in Corinth, he listed jealousy as one of the sins that was destroying them. When he wrote to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5, he described the fruit of the sinful nature. And jealousy was a key component of such ungodly living. He wrote, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, and so he goes on. Paul robustly concludes then in verse 21 of Galatians 5, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so it has continued throughout the Bible and all through human history, the sin of destructive jealousy. So how can God, who is holy and perfect and sinless, ever be jealous? Yet many times throughout scripture, God reiterates that he is a jealous God. 
The jealousy of God must be of a different kind from our own destructive jealousy. To understand this, we'll start with the passage in Exodus 20 that we read earlier, the first two of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, verses 5 and 6, we read, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that's in the earth beneath, or that's in the water under the earth, in other words, all created things. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Here God is giving his people the command to put him first, not to make any idols. And the reason he then gives is that he is, by nature, a jealous God. This is the first explicit reference to the jealousy of God in the Bible. Then moving forward to Exodus chapter 32, while Moses was up the mountain, the people in their wilderness journey, they became impatient. They said, come, let us make gods who will go before us. The people indulged in sinful idolatry. They all took off their gold earrings and they cast a golden calf statue and they bowed down to it and they sacrificed to it. God was angry and so was Moses. He threw down and smashed the original stone tablets on which the Ten Commandments had been engraved. God's people had broken the covenant, the agreement that they'd made with God in Exodus 20, that they would worship only him. Then, moving on to Exodus chapter 34, God graciously agrees to re-establish the broken covenant. He rewrote the commandments on a second replacement set of stone tablets. As in the original covenant, God repeats his command against idolatry. He forbids them from following the ways of the nations around them. They're not to worship any other god. God tolerates no rivals. In Exodus 34 verses 13 and 14, he says, Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones and cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. These verses repeat that God is a jealous god. And they even add this time that God's very name is Jealous. When the Bible speaks of God's name, usually it's revealing something about his very core nature, his essence. Forty years later on, after wanderings in the wilderness, we read of a new generation of God's people preparing to enter the promised land. Moses urges them not to forget the covenant that the Lord has made with them. When they arrive in the promised land, they're not to engage in idolatry, as their forefathers did, or this will res result in a response of jealous anger by God. 
Fear the Lord your God, says the verses. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. And then after God's people have moved into and settled the promised land, in Joshua chapter 24, now at the end of his life too, Joshua reminds the people the same truths. He writes, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods that your ancestors worshipped and serve the Lord. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. Joshua tells them, God is holy, God is good, and God is jealous. There is clearly something so utterly different about God's holy jealousy compared with our oh-so-often destructive, sinful jealousy. In the human context, destructive jealousy is a combination of anger, fear, greed, it's rooted in comparing ourselves with other people. Perhaps a clearer word for this destructive jealousy is envy. You see, we all compare ourselves and our circumstances to other people around us. Social media has taken such envy to, to another level in recent years, especially for many young people. Comparing your clothes, your hair, your figure, your possessions, your appearance with somebody else. Such human jealous envy could be described as resenting someone for having something you do not have, but you want. And maybe even wanting them not to have it any longer. It's actually the fruit of, of the 10th commandment, what that forbids. You could write the 10th commandment to say, you shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's car. You shall not covet your neighbour's personality or their abilities. And yes, even you shall not covet your neighbour's church ministry. We do not become jealous of people for everything that they have though. Here's an example. I would not be jealous of a professional sportsman, say for, for his footballing skills. Because you see, I've never been all that good at football. I don't aspire to become a footballer. But I could envy another popular preacher that gets lots of speaking engagements because preaching well is something I do aspire to. Or I might secretly envy someone in church who seems to be able to make relationships very easily, who always has the right words to say to people in season, and yet somehow does this without ever talking too much, because I wish that person was me. 
In contrast, the jealousy of God is the complete opposite of this. To say that God was envious would be ridiculous. It would imply that God was lacking something. But God lacks nothing. He's complete. No, while the jealousy of men and women is, is us wanting to get something that we do not have and resenting someone who has that, the jealousy of God is the other way around. It's God acting to keep what he already has and he is not prepared ever to lose. You see, the jealousy of God is so different. The word in the Old Testament that we translate as jealous is a word that is used there only to describe God. The word is very closely associated with another word that means zeal. It indicates that God is passionate and fervent. In a sense, God is jealous means God is zealous. And did you notice something about all the Old Testament passages that we've read in which God is declared as jealous? They all took place within the context of idolatry by his people. While idolatry may still be seen today in, in the worship of physical statues, it's often, particularly for us, so much more far-reaching and subtle than that. You see, God has created all of us as worshipping beings. It's in our very DNA to worship someone or something. The question is, who or what will you give your worship to? In Romans chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, the Apostle Paul asserts that people inherently know that God exists, but they choose to suppress the truth and not to worship him. But then as humans, we have to find something to worship. So we exchange the worship of the glorious creator for the worship of something else that's merely created. Is that you? On reflection, do you hold something else other than God himself and God alone too close to your heart? Is it some of your possessions, your house, your car or, or some other stuff? Have they become your idols? Or perhaps it's people your children, your grandchildren, your friends, or maybe it's a hobby, your abilities, a successful career. Have these become your idols? Maybe alongside God. Yes, maybe it's even success in Christian ministry that's become your idol. In Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 to 6, the first two commandments make it abundantly clear. God tolerates no rivals whatsoever. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any idol. 
Does that mean God is an egomaniac? Does he need our attention? No, of course not. First of all, the Lord is the only true and living God. He just is. So the Lord wanting us to worship him alone, to keep him at the centre of our lives, this is simply God wanting our lives to reflect the truth rather than us living out a lie. The Lord alone is worthy of that worship and he wants us to understand to, and to recognise and worship him just for who he is. And he has the right to be jealous, to be zealous for it. It was this jealous anger that Jesus expressed so powerfully when he cleared the money changers out of the temple court. Zeal, i.e. God's jealousy, the same word, zeal for my father's house has consumed me, said the gospel writer John, quoting from the, one of the Psalms. Second, look again at the language of the Ten Commandments back in Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 to 6. In establishing the covenant, his agreement with his people, God is not just creating a cold rule book for us to follow. He's using the warm language of love and care. The covenant is, is more like a marriage. He promises to be faithful to them and he expects his people to be faithful to him in return. The commandments can be read as our marriage vows to God. It's a relationship of mutual possession. We are his and he is ours. Look at verse 1. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And verse 5. For I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God. Throughout the Old Testament, God calls Israel his wife. The book of Hosea is a picture of Israel's unfaithfulness to her divine husband. And then in the New Testament, the Lord expands this grace through Jesus to the church globally. He calls her the bride of Christ. That is how the jealous God is looking at us today. He expects to be our priority. He expects to receive our fidelity. He seeks our intimacy. For those of us who are married, we expect those same three things of our spouse. Priority, fidelity and intimacy. A husband or wife feels righteous jealousy if their spouse betrays their love by being unfaithful or abandoning them. So a relationship that falls short of these three things with God incites God to angry love because of our betrayal. In the book of Revelation we read Christ's warnings to churches if their zeal for him fades, if God does not have 
the priority. In Revelation 3, we read about the church in Laodicea. They were materially wealthy and proud, but they were spiritually poor and nauseatingly lukewarm. Christ wants them either to be hot, filled with zeal for God and serving him, or cold, outside. But they were neither, and they were in danger of being spat out. Is that you? Still following Christ, but after 12 months of lockdown, worshipping your worldly idols alongside the Lord. And then in Revelation chapter 2, there's the church in Ephesus. They'd started so well, and they'd endured much suffering along the way for Christ. But then they lost their zeal. They had forsaken Christ. He calls him their first love. Such a tragedy. Christ's voice in response is gracious, but uncompromisingly firm. Repent, he says. He's saying, come back to me, but come back with an undivided heart, or the jealous God will remove your lampstand from its place. So in conclusion, God's righteous jealousy is twofold. First, he continually seeks to protect his own holy honour. All worship in the universe belongs only to God, and his jealous zeal will spring into action to preserve that. So get rid of your idols. May the words of this brilliant hymn by William Cooper be our prayer. The dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. And second, God was jealous over Israel, who was his covenant wife. And Jesus Christ is jealous over the church, his bride. God burns with holy zeal. He wants every part of you, body, mind and spirit. He loves you. He died for you. You are no longer your own. You were bought at a price. So pull down the high places of idol worship in your heart. Demolish the strongholds of false thinking in your mind. And as Paul says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. God is jealous for you. Are you zealous for him? <laughs>